Thanks for your interest in Emmanuel Baptist. Here at Emmanuel, we believe in the one and only authoritative text for guidance, the Holy Bible. We pray that this sermon will speak to your heart and open your eyes to the glory of God. Make sure you plug into your local church and get to know others that love the Holy Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, just like you. Thanks again, and God bless you guys. Last words, especially the last words of someone who is dying, are so, so important. Last words usually indicate the kind of life you live. Someone has said, you die as you lived. There's once a group of uh, people going on a tour to the top of the Empire State Building there in New York City. About the 102nd floor, a woman asked the tour guide, the cables on this elevator break, do we go up or do we go down? The tour guide answered, well, depends on how you're living. <laughs> I read of a man who became famous through his restaurant business. He established eating places for thousands of miles across the country, from New York to California, from Canada to the Gulf of Mexico. And when at last he was dying and on his deathbed, he had his family gathered around him and to hear his final words. And while his final words may seem humorous, they in one sense are tragic. As he lay dying, he was heard to whisper over and over again, cut the ham thin, cut the ham thin. No writer no matter how gifted he or she may be, prolific, can adequately describe the last few hours of Jesus' life here on earth. Perhaps this explains the reason why the gospel writers are so brief in depicting these final moments for us. The picture of Christ on the cross is neither pretty nor palatable. It was never intended to be so. Making him appear beautiful or clothed with a heavenly glow wrapped on his head is only to really cheapen the reality of what was going on there. It was never intended to be this way in a cheapened manner. He hung for six hours between heaven and earth, limp, gaunt, completely naked in his humiliation. He had been beaten with the fist of men. A crown of dry, piercing thorns had been forced upon his head. He had been, uh, the, the, his swelling about his eyes, his nose, his mouth, and his neck were such that he would no longer resembled a man. So as I said earlier today, we're going to look at the seventh and final word of Jesus from the cross. And I have four observations to make about his final word. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus' last word, first of all, addresses the Father. Let me do it this way. Okay, Joey, help me out here. There we go. First of all, Jesus' last word addresses the Father. Throughout this long ordeal, even prior to going to the cross, we see Jesus in frequent communication with his Father. We find Jesus somewhere between the upper room and the garden praying in John 17, Father, the hour has come, the hour of his death. Then from his place of solitude in the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Hours later, he addresses the Father three times. Of the seven words of Jesus from the cross, three times he addresses the Father. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And this last one, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. During his lifetime, the word Father was often on Jesus' lips. When he was 12 years old, he said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? In the Sermon on the Mount, he used the word Father more than 15 times. In the upper room discourse and in this high priestly prayer in John 17, our Lord talked about the Father many times. He died confidently as he had lived with his Father's presence. Regardless of circumstances or location, Jesus never lost communication with his Father. It was his Father's presence that sustained him throughout his whole life, that strengthened him in his death. One of the most wonderful promises is made to everyone who gives their life to Christ is that God is with us, never to leave us. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a promise that is. I have grabbed on that so often you have too. It's no wonder that the angel told Mary that when the child would be born, we call Emmanuel, which means God with us. But when one receives Christ as their Savior, Lord and Savior, they are blessed with the presence of the Father that will sustain them all through life and in death. You're all familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Back in the 30s and 40s in Germany, he was a pastor in, in London for a while. In 1935, returned to his native homeland of Germany to head the Confessing Church Seminary. By that time, the church, the, the believing church had gone underground, really, under Nazi Germany. When Nazis rose to power, he returned to the United States for a second time, 1939, to escape the Nazis and realized he really needed to go back. He said, if I'm here during the war, when I go back after the war, I won't have a voice. I need to be with my people through the war. So he returned. And as you know, he returned and was imprisoned under the Nazi regime. Really, I think Hitler singled him out. Conditions in prison were horrible. And the inmates were not allowed to speak to one another. However, they had a code signifying God with us with three taps. God with us. On April 9th, 1945, Dietrich was escorted to the gallows for hanging. On again, Hitler's direct order. As he was in the process of being hung, the entire prison body responded with thunderous three taps in succession. God with us. You see, Jesus understood that too, of course. Even his last moments of life, he knew God was with him. And we can experience that too. So first of all, Jesus' last word, and Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, dresses the Father. Second, I did it wrong. Oh, let you guys do it. There we go. Thank you. I don't know what I'm doing up here. That's okay. Amen. That's okay. I thank you. I needed that word. Thank you. Expresses a prayer. I guess anytime we talk to the Father, I guess it is a prayer, isn't it? But Jesus is expressing a prayer here. Jesus began his ministry with a prayer, and now he ends his ministry, his life, with a prayer. He prayed rather than retaliation. He prayed rather than condemning. Rather than quitting, he prayed. He prayed in his darkest hour. Early African converts to Christianity were earnest and, and devote in their regular devotions each morning. 
Uh, each one respond, reported had a, a separate place in, in the bush, in the thicket, where they pour out their hearts to God. And, and as a result of that, they would make little paths that would be well-worn to the place where they would go to be alone with God. As a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to others. Grass started growing on the path. They would kind of remind the neglected one, Brother, the grass grows on your path. Ooh, I like that. Let's look at Jesus' last prayer. Father, well, we just mentioned about Father, who He was, and, and God, and Jesus was with the Father's presence all this time, through His whole ministry, through His whole life. He says, into your hands. This moment all in Jesus was back in the hands of His Father. For 12 hours, a host of individuals put their hands on Him. They had plucked His beard hit him with their fists, brutally smashed upon his face, his neck, and his body. They also crushed upon his brow that long needle thorns and nailed him to the cross. At last, he was in his father's hands, embraced by the loving arms of God where there was safety, security, comfort, and acceptance. Father, into your hands I commit the word commit means to deposit, to, to, to lay aside. Jesus, now listen to this, you know this, we need to hear it again. Jesus voluntarily gave up his life. It wasn't taken from him. He was not murdered. He was not a martyr. He voluntarily gave up his life. It wasn't taken from him. The question then can be asked, how could he do this since he was bearing the sins of the whole world? Well, the answer is that had been accomplished back at the moment when he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was sin at that point. John speaks of Christ as being the propitiation for our sins. And that's a fancy dancy word, which simply means satisfaction. He was a satisfaction for our sins. It describes a turning away of God's wrath by the offering of this, we're learning in Hebrews, our high priest priest gives sacrifices. He sacrificed himself. I commit my spirit. At this moment, Jesus spoke the same words that David spoke in Psalm 35, 31, verse 5. Psalm 31, verse 5. The tradition tells us that this was one of the first prayers a Jewish mother taught her child to pray. We, the traditional, at least our culture is now let me down to sleep. That little prayer we teach our kids early on, this is the prayer that in Psalm 31, 5, that every mother would teach her child. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is, this is a prayer. Third, let me try, let me try. I did it wrong. Thank you. We'll get this worked out soon. I'll get it worked out soon. Third, Jesus' last word, quotes Scripture. Have you ever noticed as you read Scripture that, that Jesus is always quoting Scripture? If not directly, He's implying. The great majority of His expressions we trace back to the Old Testament. Even with not exact quotations, His words drop into Scripture, uh, shaping the Scripture, the shape and form of Scripture. You can see that the Bible has been one book. He is clearly familiar with it from the first page to the last. And not only its letters only, but the innermost soul of the most secret sense. 
he knew the words of Scripture, which would be what we call the Old Testament, but he embodied them. He felt them. He sensed them. He was them. And therefore, when dying, it seems only natural for him to use a passage from the Psalms of David as his dying words. We shouldn't be surprised at that. Jesus could have made an original speech in his dying declaration. He was smart enough. You know, he was inspiring enough. He could say something different and new, but he didn't do that. Even though his body was in tremendous pain, his mind was clear and focused. In fact, he was in perfect, he was perfectly content, for he said earlier, it is finished. I've done what needs to be done. His sufferings were over. He was already beginning to taste the delights of victory. Yet with all the clearness of mind, enormity of, of intellect, and fluency of words, it might have been possible for him, he did not invent a new sentence. He went back to Scripture. He went to the Psalms. He took from, from the Holy Spirit this expression, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. How instructive for us today. This great truth that the incarnate word lived on the inspired word of God. It was food to him, as it should be for us. If Christ thus lived upon the word of God, brothers and sisters, should not you and I do the same? I hope you don't go a day without reading something of Scripture. A day. Half a day. He, in some respects, could not read this book, did not need to read this book as much as we do. As much as we need it, he did it, and if he did it, we need to do it even more. The Spirit of God rested upon him without measure. He loved the Scriptures. He went to the Scriptures. He read it and studied it. He memorized it and used it, its expressions continually in his life and ministry. What an example for us. Oh, that you and I might get into the very heart of God's Word and get God's Word into our heart. I commend this example to you and still more the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God who is in you will make you love the Word of God. I think I shared this before and, and some time ago. I remember as, as a young Christian in my 20s, just really starting to grow in Christ and getting to understand what this book is and just reading it for the first time and, and really meditating on it and trying to study it and, and, and see what truths were there for me. And I listened to these radio preachers in, in, in particular, and, and these were old men in their 50s. Uh, <laughs> amen, I see you. Or, or 60s, and they're talking about how much they love the Word of God more now than when they were, they were a young Christian. I went, I hear the words, okay. But I'm in my 60s now, and I, I agree 100%. I love God's Word now more than I did 40 years ago because I spent time in it, and it spent time in me. And I think most of you can probably say the same thing to one way or the other. It, it does become more beautiful, becomes more of you, and, and I love it more than I did before. And I hope that's true for every Christian. If it's not, then you need to call a time out and say, why is it not that way? It was for Jesus, I'm sure. I, and if any of you can imagine that the Spirit of God will lead you to disperse with the Bible, you're under influence of another spirit, which is not the Spirit of God at all. I trust that the Holy Spirit will endear you to every page in the Scriptures of this, of this holy record. 
that you feed upon it yourself. Now, this isn't the case of you here, but so many people throughout my ministry and throughout the life of the church, all they're getting of God's Word is from 20 or 30 minutes from a preacher on Sunday morning. If that's it, you are starving. This time of preaching should be the, the climax of the week, of your spiritual week. You should be feeding upon yourself in different ways, whether it's, whether it's music or reading or memorizing or study. Every day, and we come together as a body in Christ and rejoice in that together. And, and what I'm doing here should be the cherry on top of the, of, the, of the cream, on top of the dessert, on top of the meal. This should be the climax of your spiritual week, not the only thing you're getting in your spiritual week. I think it's well worth your constant remembrance that even in death, Jesus showed the ruling passion of his spirit. So his last words were a quotation of Scripture. I don't know of anyone, I don't know a lot of last words, I don't know a lot of people that have quoted Scripture as their last words. That's interesting. I'm not going to touch anything up here, guys. Go, ahead and go to the next one. There we go. Thank you. Jesus' last word instructs the saints. His instruction is teaching to you and to me. The three things here in this passage that, that he instructs. First of all, he shows us the way to the Father. See, Jesus came to earth to reveal the Father to all of humanity. He came to restore and to reconcile us to the Father. With his final breath, he showed the way to the Father through commitment. This was Jesus' final commitment of his life, was to his Father. All of his life commitment characterized Jesus' relationship to God. Every word, every deed, every prayer, every interpersonal encounter testified to Jesus' commitment to God. In his final moment of life, he opened the way to the Father by his commitment. That way, Jesus shows us the way to God, which is kind of symbolized in verse 45. Look at verse 45 of our text. Let's look at 44 and 45. Again, it was now the ninth hour, 12 o'clock, and there was darkness of the face of the earth till, till 9 o'clock, till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And when the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. We've discussed this before. But during that three-hour period, somewhere between 12 and 3, when there was darkness of the land, the thick veil of the temple in the Holy of Holies separating from the holy place, and that veil of fabric was probably at least six inches thick, so no light could penetrate it at all, was torn from top to bottom as if God took a phone book and ripped it in half. Symbolizing from God did it, man didn't do it, couldn't do it, but because of Jesus being sin for us and dying for us for sin, taking on our sin, the way to the Father was open to us. That instructs us. He is the way. When Jesus died, the veil was torn from top to bottom. He opened the way to God. It opened forever. Now we, mankind, as a way to the Father we didn't have before. Second, he shows us the way to live. 
He shows us the way to live. Not only did Jesus show us the way to the Father from the seventh word from the cross, he also shows us the way to live. Jesus died as he lived, committed to God. He lived with a daily sense of God's watch care and provision, and he died in this train of thoughts. Jesus uttered this prayer from Psalm 31 as a last thought before he died. Jesus lived with God's word daily. He knew the Old Testament. We could even say, in a different sense, he was the author of the Old Testament. It gave him strength and insight for daily living. He often quoted it. It drew upon it as a resource for teaching. In his last breath of life, he found peace, security, and fulfillment, and sang his boyhood prayer one last time. Oh, if we could be live that same sense of commitment, uh, uh, being with God's word daily, we'd be more like Jesus. What would Jesus do? He would be in the word of God all the time, at least daily. Committing ourselves in love and obedience to him results in peace, contentment, and security. Trust God. Deliver yourselves over to him completely as Jesus did. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, and we should that be called ourselves that, we should do what Jesus does. A follower of Jesus will commit ourselves to God through the word. See, he shows us the way to live. Third and lastly, he shows us the way to die. Jesus died trusting God. Jesus committed his spirit to God, a reminder that his death wasn't a catastrophe or a fatality or an accident. It was a climax and culmination of a divine plan. For this hour, he had come. Therefore, he yielded himself to God with complete, utter confidence and trust in the Father. Thus, he died the same way he lived. Shows us the way to do both. In everything that Jesus said and did, he taught us how to live. With his final word, he taught us how to die. And I think most people do live or do die as they live. So live as you wish to die. So friends, if you live with God's word as your constant companion and God, God's will as your daily commitment, God's way as your daily path, there'll be, then there'll be comfort and security as you lay your head down on your pillow each night. And you lay your head on that pillow of death when that day comes. Decide now that Jesus is the way. He's the way to live. He's the way to die. Follow him and you'll never go wrong. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your commitment, your mission to leave the glories of heaven, to take on human flesh, not just human flesh, but flesh of a little baby, a little peasant baby. And growing up, being in submission to your parents, 
in submission to the law and all that goes with that culture, and with your earthly ministry to being constant presence of the Father, thank you for, for showing us the way, for being the way, how to live, how to die. Thank you for filling your purpose by going to the cross for my sin, the sin of the world. Thank you for your obedience, even to the things you suffered. We praise you and honor you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.